folks, and welcome back to America's Lost History, episode 1.15, Georgia. Uh, this is our last week of uh, this regular series. We might do a bonus podcast about John Dixon, like I promised at the beginning. Uh, I'm not promising that's going to be next week, but I will be working on it soon. So, let's get right into it. We have three delegates from Georgia to get through, and they are very much different than most of the other colonial uh, delegates they are not for the most part wealthy and uh, for the most part they're kind of self-made men i think that speaks to the fact that georgia was kind of the frontier of the colonies at this point um, besides savannah most of georgia was rural and that reflects in their choice of delegates so our first delegate is button gwinnett yes that is button he was born around 1735 he died May the 19th, 1777, and his age at signing was 41 or thereabouts. He was born in Down Hatherley in England to the Reverend Samuel Gwinnett and his wife Anne. He was the third of seven children, and his parents were not well off. He received the best education he could, possibly attending the King's School in Gloucester. Button was apprenticed to a merchant in Bristol, and upon completing his apprenticeship, he was married to Anne Bourne. Never very successful merchant, Gwinnett and his wife emigrated to America, somewhere around 1765. Initially, he moved to South Carolina, but within two years, he bought land on St. Catharines Island off the coast of Georgia. Continuing to struggle as a merchant, Gwinnett tried the life of a gentleman planner. Gwinnett was continuously in debt from his failed business ventures. Eventually, creditors seized his property, leaving his family only their house to live in. Gwinnett had made a name for himself in local politics and was elected to represent Georgia in the Second Continental Congress. Gwinnett was reluctant to vote for independence, but by 1775, he had sided with the Patriots. After voting for independence, Gwinnett returned to Georgia, where he helped write the state constitution. When the first governor of Georgia died, Gwinnett was named acting governor. Apparently, Button thought he should also be in charge of the state's military. When his peers did not agree and named Colonel McIntosh instead in charge of the colonial military, Button was upset. Gwinnett called McIntosh out to a duel after McIntosh insulted Gwinnett for his actions trying to direct the military oper operations in the colony, which led to disastrous results. Both men met for a duel, and both were hit. Button's wound was fatal, and he died two days later from gangrene. Button was buried in Savannah and faded into obscurity. He was the second signer of the Declaration to die. Our next signer was Linman Hall who was born April the 12th, 1724, and died October the 19th, 1790. Age at signing, 52. Born to John and Mary Hall in Connecticut, Hall's father ensured his son received a good education. He attended Yale at the age of 16 and graduated four years later with his medical doctorate. After graduation, he married Abigail Burr, who died one year later. In 1757, he married Mary Osborne and moved to South Carolina. Before too long, he moved to Midway, Georgia, and opened a medical practice. Hall was one of the earliest voices of the Patriots in Georgia. His community was full of New Englanders who, who were descendants of independent-minded Puritans. In 1774, Hall and his compatriots called for town meetings to discuss independence. Though St. John's Parish was with Hall in supporting the Patriot cause, the rest of Georgia was not. In 1775, St. John's Parish sent Hall to represent them in Philadelphia. He was not representing Georgia at this time. He was actually independently representing St. John's Parish. During that summer, the feeling of Georgia shifted, and Hall was elected to represent the whole colony in Congress. Hall would continue to serve in Congress until 1780. 
When the British invaded Georgia, Hall returned home to look after his family. As the British took over the colony, Dr. Hall was able to get his family north, but his property was confiscated. In 1782, Dr. Hall returned to Georgia, and in 1783, he was elected governor of Georgia. He would serve one term and then retired from public life. Sadly, his only son died at a very young age, and Dr. Hall followed him to the grave a year later. And our last delegate from Georgia is uh, George Walton. He was born, I've seen some sources say 1740, and even a source that says as late as 1753. Uh, but that source was uh, one of the other signers of, of the Declaration, which was Benjamin Rush, who was probably at best making a guess. And George Walton would die on February the 2nd, 1804. Age of signing uh, could be anywhere up to about 35 years old. He was born in obscurity in Frederick County, Virginia. Walton was orphaned as an infant, and he was raised by an uncle that apprenticed him to a local carpenter at the age of 14. There are stories of Walton's master being cruel and ignorant, but also that he was a kindly master, encouraging Walton to read when he could. Either way, Walton was clearly had a rough life compared to most of the other signers of the Declaration. He was poorly educated and raised very poor. In his early 20s, Walton moved to Georgia and was able to study law. In Savannah, Walton was an active patriot, and in 1774 he helped organize meetings at Tondi's Tavern to discuss the revolution. Walton was elected to attend the Second Congress in 1776, and he would serve in Congress until 1781, when he felt the need to t return home to serve in the Georgia militia. Colonel Walton was wounded and shot off his horse during the Siege of Savannah. He was captured by the British and spent a year in a Sunbury, Georgia jail. After his service, Walton was left with a permanent limp in his leg, and he was served as Chief Justice of Georgia, Governor of the state, and as a U.S. Senator. Walton was a trustee of Franklin College, which is now the University of Georgia. In 1795, he moved to a country estate called College Hill in Savannah. He would die in 1804 and be buried there. Okay, folks, that's the last of our signers of the Declaration. I have covered every person who fixed their signature to the document, uh, including uh, President John Hancock and the Secretary and now every signer who was representing a colony at the time. So um, the way this is going to work from now on, I'm going to uh, do some bo bonus podcasts. Like I said, I'm going to cover the John Dickinson, uh, who was very influential in the Patriot cause, but would not sign for uh, his own personal reasons. And then we're going to move on to our next topic. And um, I'm probably going to start with the early history of the American army uh, so that we can get an idea of how the colonists were able to actually raise an army and contend against Britain, which at that point was the greatest army in the world. So um, leave some comments. Let me know how you think about this podcast. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. See you guys soon.